In this third episode of the Evangelist Podcast, we discuss ways of talking to strangers about Jesus. The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you. With Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Welcome to the Evangelist Podcast. I'm Andy Brinkley. I'm Glenn Scrivener. We've not done too bad so far, Glenn. Uh, 600 downloads for the first 200 episodes. Wow. That's pretty good. And we've got our first listener question. John B. on your website. It says, good show. Would you consider including your sermons in the podcast feed or doing a separate podcast feed for sermons and talks? Okay. And uh, so we've been talking about that. We think probably it's best to do a, a separate podcast feed for those. Yes. Watch this space. Okay. We would yep. definitely consider that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you have a good Easter, Glenn? Great Easter. Yeah, I was up in uh, Leeds at uh, City Evangelical Church uh, over the Easter week, and uh, and they just really took advantage of the Easter time to, to hold a mission and just got their, their members uh, very much on board with uh, inviting friends along and pretty much just did what they would ordinarily do over an Easter weekend, but turned everything really in, in, into a sort of an invitational event. Mm. So on the, the Maundy Thursday, we did a, a, a kind of an evening about suffering, talking about broken lives and broken world. What does Jesus have to say into the midst of it? And I guess, you know, as you're thinking about Maundy Thursday and you're thinking about... Uh, Jesus breaking bread and, and being in their midst and, and about to suffer for them. Uh, that was sort of the opportunity to talk about God and suffering and that kind of thing. So that was that was a great uh, event, and they did indeed bring friends. and uh, So that was good. And then Good Friday, we had a, a great uh, all-age service. And uh, perhaps one of the links we can uh, go to is, is sort of a, a little song and a game that I've uh, written uh, okay. in order to teach Gethsemane. Right. It's called Drink Up, Drink Up the Poison Cup. Right. It's it's very much like um, uh, the game Pasta Parcel. Okay. Only in this game of Pasta Parcel, you do not want to be left with the parcel right. when the music stops. Uh, basically, you, you sort of you make up this sort of poisoned cup full of uh, soy sauce and fish sauce and garlic, and you stir it in with pilchards and all this sort of thing. <sighs> And uh, at every point, you get the kids to sniff it. They, oh, they, they absolutely hate it. And, and then you teach them the song, Drink Up, Drink Up the Poison Cup. It's full of gunk and it's full of junk, but without doubt, it must be drunk. And they sort of chant this and they pass the poison cup between them. And then the music stops. And usually the child bursts into tears immediately. Um, not, oh, it's, not, it's not quite that bad, but they, they really don't want to drink. But then somebody steps in at the last minute and says, no, wait, I will do it. You know. Okay. Are yeah, they you know. pre-organized, are they? That is, that is pre-organized. Although a friend of mine did it down in Plymouth. And he said <laughs> that the music stopped with this uh, one little boy, I think he was eight years old, and his dad actually volunteered and drank down this horrible mixture. Oh. Um, so that was, that, you know, it's a, a good way of teaching substitution, really, a good way of teaching yeah. Jesus drinking the cup for us. So that was Good Friday, and then uh, Good Friday evening uh, did some youth events. Uh, they get in uh, people from the from the local area, and that's um, a great little outreach, and, and uh, had a good time then. Saturday, uh, fair, just uh, mixing in with people, and then on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, what a great time to mm. have an evangelistic service, and yeah. um, preach there. So it was a wonderful Easter, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we, we had a good Easter, and I went up to my brother's in 
Norfolk. Yeah. It's my son's birthday coming up, and uh, as a treat, he wanted to go and see his cousins. So uh, we went up there on the Easter Monday and had a nice time. But uh, we broke down oh. <laughs> on the way on one of the trips that we went on, the day trips. And uh, we had to be rescued by a breakdown company. Oh. It's funny because uh, my, my brother's a minister there in Norfolk, and uh, we got talking. And we were going along a particular stretch. And my brother said, oh, you know, did you hear about this? there was an, a fatal accident along here? Mm. And he, he'd heard of it, you know, and he said, uh, he said, oh, yeah, I heard about that. And they, they talked about it for a bit. But he said, it really makes you think about what's valuable in life. Mm. And I thought, great opportunity, great opening, you know. Yeah. And uh, after that, you know, it's always afterwards that you think of <laughs> yes. better things yes. to say. Always. What would you say in that situation? I, I think I've sort of changed my mind on these things. I used to think that evangelism was all about kind of crowbarring really witty sayings into a conversation. So if you're, if you're uh, you know, discussing the offside rule, you can suddenly turn that into a proclamation of Christ, our last defender. Or, you know, like all these clever little ways of turning a conversation on the, on the spot. Mm. But I don't know. I, I get paid to think about these things, and I'm rubbish at that. So... <laughs> Some people are good at them, but, but I think we need to be okay with the clumsiness mm. of a conversation. And in those sorts of situations, just saying, oh, do you go to church yourself? Or, oh, do you have a faith yourself? Or, mm. or even, you know, the big, you know, oh, what do you think of Jesus then? Yeah. And always when you mention Jesus, it's like a sack of rocks on the, on the dinner table, isn't it, when you, <laughs> when you bring Jesus in. But I think we can try and be too finessed, and we can try and be too... Uh, yeah, too clever about it sometimes, sometimes and sometimes just, just do you have a faith. Yeah, just got to step out and take the opportunity. Yeah, however clumsy. Are you a Christian? I found myself saying to one guy, "I really think you should become a Christian." Which, yeah. like, you don't read about that <laughs> in, in the books. That doesn't sound very clever, but well, it but, led it led to a conversation. You know? Yeah, yeah. I remember one one of the very first times I went on on the streets to talk to people about the Lord. We had done some seminars beforehand and talking about evangelism and things. And uh, I must have been about 15 or so. I ended up walking up to this chap. He obviously had a different language as his mother tongue. I said, oh, do you mind if I talk to you for a minute? And he says, no, no, fine. Hmm. So I looked down and I suddenly thought, help, <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> so I had a Bible, I opened my Bible in front of him. And uh, I was thinking, right, where shall I go? <laughs> I wasn't greatly prepared, but uh, as soon as he saw me open the Bible, he put up his hand. He said, ah, oh, no, 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 <laughs> and then walked away. <laughs> and uh, I had a strange feeling of sort of both regret and relief yeah, that, right. uh, <laughs> that that had happened. But uh, it can oh, be yeah. quite a frightening thing to do. I've got a more cringeworthy story. I, I was um, I was out, um, doing a bit of sort of, I don't like calling it cold contact evangelism mm. because I don't think it has to be cold. Um, I think I think you can be warm. I think you can be friendly. I think you can be loving in the way that you share, even if you've just met them. So sometimes I, I call it sort of first contact evangelism. But mm. I was doing some of that in South London once, and I came across this guy. And, and actually, quite often you come across people, especially when you're doing street evangelism, uh, who say, I don't speak English. Mm. My next question is always, oh, how long have you been in this country? And then they've got quite good English actually, yeah. to tell you, yeah, I've been here for three years, yeah. and I'm working in that shop over there, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I got talking to this one guy. He said, I don't speak English, and he really didn't speak english he he said i speak aramaic and mm. i said ah oh, it's the language of jesus and i think he just about understood that right. 
And then I don't know where this came from. It's the stupidest idea I've ever had. But I said, I know one phrase in Aramaic. And probably many of our listeners know one phrase in Aramaic. Didn't Jesus say, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? <laughs> Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> so I thought I'd share this word from the cross with this guy. And I have no, like, the conversation ended pretty quickly after yeah. that. And I'm just imagining the conversation he would have had with his family afterwards. You know, I met this Christian and all he said was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> so, so you're not talking to an expert. Here no. any means, but, you know, yeah. you have a go. You have a go, don't you? What would be an opening question as you go up to somebody, maybe at a bus stop or something? Mm. Just I know. was always taught kind of through where quite soon after I became a Christian, um, a, a friend of mine who was quite into street evangelism, got me into it. And, and he taught me three questions that I, I haven't ever really gotten beyond. The three questions were, um, who do you think Jesus is? Why do you think he came? And the third one he taught me was, um, if you were to die tonight and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you respond? And, and the logic of the whole thing is basically who is Jesus is a question that hopefully lots of people can answer. And if they can't, well, gets you into a great conversation. But a lot of people can say, oh, he's the son of God, or they might say he's a prophet of God, perhaps if they're Muslim or something. But then um, but then asking, well, why did he come kind of narrows down the conversation more. And if people don't know that, you get to explain what the cross is. Mm. And then sort of uh, people from a more Catholic background might know why he came. He came to die for our sins. But, you know, if you stood before God and he asked, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you respond? And that gets you into sort of more gospel issues at that point. So, I mean, those those have been sort of three questions that I've had in the back of my mind quite often when I've done um, street evangelism. But, but just getting Jesus out there mm. and focusing the conversation on him, who is mm. he? Mm. I think that's key in all forms of evangelism, especially um, first contact evangelism mm. do you have sort of any favorite leaflets or tracts or anything that you have used yeah i mean i i really like roger carswell's tracts up at um ten of those.com they attractively produce them and they're quite thorough gospel explanations but but without jargon and they, they do a good job i think yeah and they help if uh, if you do mess things up a bit then yeah, uh, you can sort of uh think well at least they've got something that's coherent yeah. and uh yeah maybe a, even a contact address on on the back yeah and the best thing to, the best thing to do really isn't to invite them to church mm. um because you know the reason to do street evangelism is not to go behind the back of church or, or anything like that it's it's as church we we proclaim christ in the in the public space at all points, I'd encourage people, if they're involved in first contact evangelism, to do it with church and through church and for church. We're not out in the streets because we think we know better than church, because church is God's idea and it's his, it's his evangelistic strategy. Hmm. And what about uh, with those that you're a bit more au fait with, uh, like your workmates or your neighbours or whatever? Um, how would you sort of approach that with, with a little bit more relationship yeah. than uh, just first contact? Yeah, I think... Um, I think if they're willing to have a conversation with you and, and, and if something's come up in the office or something's come up over the dinner table and you have that relationship, I, I really think saying, listen, can I, can I take five minutes to explain to you what the Christian faith is? Mm. Because I think, I, I think once I've taken that opportunity, you'll see how this issue fits into the gospel story 
um, at large. And so I'd, I'd quite often beg people's indulgence to say, actually, can we just hit pause and then let's let's go to 30,000 feet and let's get the bird's eye view. And of course, then you want to teach them three, two, one, don't you? That's the, <laughs> that's the way. Or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever outline you want to you want to give. Mm. But tell the tell the gospel story every chance you get, I, I think. And, and, and I, th I think if people are genuinely interested in having a conversation with you, they won't mind you taking five minutes to, to actually pull back and tell the story. And if they're not willing to go with you for that, then probably whatever other conversation you have mm. won't go places either. So I, I yeah, I, I quite often say, let's hit pause and let's let me give you the big picture. Or let's in a sense hit pause and let me tell you my story this is this is why mm. i um you know i'm a christian again this is this is kind of back to the issue of we think we need to be clever we think we need to you know somebody's having a, a discussion about the european union mm. and i need to know how to bridge from that into a discussion of substitutionary atonement or mm. something you know if something about faith schools comes up and, and people oh you know what do you believe about faith schools I, I think you can buy yourself a lot of time, and I think you'll you'll progress the conversation a lot more fruitfully if you say, "Well, can I just tell you what what my faith is?" and sort of do it that way. Um, some other sort of sentences up up my sleeve that I like to have is sentences like, "Well, you know, that's what I love about Jesus." You know, so let's say we're in a conversation, we're talking about hypocrisy or something. You know, take a breath and say, "Well, that's what I love about Jesus." You know, when he he was on trial in, you know, four different courts, six different times. No one could find any, any guilt or any, you know, mm. he's like Teflon. Nothing sticks to him, this Jesus. That's what I love about Jesus. Or oh, that's, that's what I love about my church. So I don't know. You're, you're talking about, uh, your, your brother's family life has just sort of fallen apart and, and no one seems to be helping. And, and, and you say, that's what I love about my church, that actually when we were f having trouble making ends meet, actually they really stepped up and cooked meals for us and helped us out in, in these different ways. Talking up church, again, is, is I think is, is quite important in evangelism. Mm. Um, so that's what I love about Jesus. That's what I love about church. Or that's what I love about the Christian life, mm. knowing my forgiveness or what, you know, whatever. And again, with all these, with all these sentences, um, it's not really about having a pat answer or having a, a fixed way of finishing that sentence because if you don't have an authentic heartfelt way of finishing that sentence then it's just you know it's just a technique and we we're not salesmen mm. you know we're not we, we don't have a patter we're not trying to sell anybody insurance or anything mm. so it, it it must be out of the overflow of the heart but if we can answer questions like that's what i love about jesus that's what i love about my church that's what i love about the christian life then hopefully um these things will come up more organically in conversation and, and the other thing to say about that is, is if we're not talking in this kind of way to other Christians, we'll never talk in this kind of way to non-Christians. You know, mm. so often we, we worry about, oh, I'm not sure I can have a conversation about Jesus with non-Christians. And yet Sunday by Sunday with, with God's people, we're not actually talking about Jesus with other people. And I, and I, I think if in our churches we are talking in these sorts of terms, that's what I love about Jesus, that's what I love about my church. I think then that will stir our hearts all the more. And it will mean that as we're talking to non-Christians, it will a, a lot more authentically overflow from the mouth um, when our hearts are more full of these things. So is it worth it? Oh, it's totally worth it. In terms of, you know, street evangelism, I've, I've seen people come to trust in Jesus on the streets. I've prayed with 
people I pray with one guy in KFC to become a Christian <laughs> um, pray with another guy outside Pizza Hut to become a Christian Guy, guys who you know we, we've had these kinds of conversations with um, and and it's sowing seeds as well seeds that you might not see bear fruit yourself um, but down the down the track who knows who the Lord's got in mind to, to water that seed and who mm. knows what kind of fruit in the future no it's totally worth it the seed this that's that's what's great about the seed analogy that Jesus gave us seeds look pathetic they look stupid they look weak and you throw them out on onto this path or onto the soil and you think what's that going to do that's going to do nothing and you come back tomorrow and where's the fruit mm. you come back the next day where's the fruit you come back the next day where's the fruit no it's a long-term work it's a weak-looking work. It's a vulnerable kind of work. But actually, what's more powerful than a seed? You know, mm. you look at that. You look at that acorn, and that, that acorn can, can split stone slabs, actually. So what we've got, it looks, our little words, our weak, feeble, faltering words, they look stupid. But this is the way Jesus grows the kingdom. It's, it's very, very powerful. So that, that would be my word of encouragement. As stupid as it looks and as weak looking and, and as, as weak as it feels, this is Jesus' way of growing the kingdom. Mm. So, Glenn, tell us what you're facing this current week. Are you uh, off speaking or are you not, uh, having a, a writing week? Or, or Yeah, a bit more, a bit more writing. So um uh, preaching on Sunday here in Eastbourne, so sort of doing a bit of uh, prep for that. Next week, at the end of next week, I'm doing a sort of a student conference. I haven't really started to look at that, so I'm, I should probably um, start thinking about what I'm going to say Thursday, Friday of next week. But um, but yeah, I need to get ahead on, on 321, the book. So um, yeah, writing that at the moment. Getting your head down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, next week we're going to be talking about the history of this organisation, uh, revival or the hour of revival evangelistic association as it's all total and uh, we'll have ian milmine in to talk with us again thanks for listening to the evangelist podcast you can catch up with us on our website revivalmedia.org and get to this episode and show notes directly where you can leave a comment if you like on this particular show just go to revivalmedia.org slash tep3 